0: When you encounter opposition, slander, today, here's some things you can do. If you believe that biblical Christianity is the most loving and helpful ideology, then love people enough to remain steadfast in your faith, not out of anger to defeat them, but out of love to deliver them. People are not our enemies. Our war is not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits. If we believe that God's love is for them, then we need to love them even if they don't agree that God's love is best for them. Second thing you can do, the only way to avoid suffering and slander, is to say nothing, do nothing, and have nothing. Billy Graham was asked how he became such a great leader. He said, well, I turn my critics into my coaches. So you should turn your critics into your coaches. Just because you're being slandered doesn't mean it's not at least containing something that might be truthful or could be helpful for you. If you are already given God your sin, why not throw on your reputation as well? Sometimes you may hear things are being said about you. Some are true, some are partially true. A whole lot of them are just completely untrue. Give God your reputation. Now, some people say, Paul says we're supposed to have a good reputation with outsiders. True. But remember who Paul was. He's a guy who started riots, wrote most of his best work from prison. So whatever good reputation is, it's big enough for that. And here's another thing to remember. The power and joy of the spirit, sometimes they're waiting for you in the darkness. It's the darkness where we don't see the path forward and we don't want to go into the darkness, but that's where the power and the joy of the Holy Spirit sometimes are waiting for us if we will have the faith to enter and trust God. And this, finally. Don't worry so much about being on the wrong side of history. Do worry about being on the right side of eternity. I don't know. Every generation, there are certain issues that become incredibly difficult. Lots of slander and pressure are applied to God's people. in every generation. And we've had our share. And we're told you need to be on the right side of history. I'd rather be on the right side of eternity because I know that when all is said and done, it doesn't matter who's judgment, I know that he will judge them and so I'm waiting for that judgment and I want you to know the Lord Jesus so that you will meet him on a day, not for judgment, but for blessing. This issue of slander is only going to increase. Western culture is not trending toward biblical fidelity. There are wholesale parts of the church and Christianity that are in the process of apostasy, which means falling away from the faith. I'm telling you that as the temperature gets hotter, more and more people put on reversible jerseys and go from team Jesus to the other team. My job is not to scare you, but to prepare you. Peter was seeking to prepare the people that he loved For what was to come. And he's still doing that for us today. Because in their day, they had a bad government, and what was coming was even worse. What they had was opposition, what was coming was persecution. What they had was a nation in crisis, and then what they would have is a nation that was in collapse. So he closes, Peter does with saying, prepare to suffer for doing good. That's in verse 17 and 19. For it's time for judgment to begin in what? The household of God. God expects Christians to have behavior that is different than non-Christians. If you have the spirit of God, God expects more out of you than he does the one who does not yet have the spirit because he does not yet know Jesus. You can't just say, well, this is what they said and they did. It doesn't matter. They don't have the Holy Spirit, but you do. God expects completely different things from his kids. What will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good, doing what? Good. What happens is when the fiery trials come and the flames of hell start to rise and come up, those who do not know God are exposed and those who do know God are purified. That's what happens. Peter knew this firsthand. When the fiery trial came in the ministry of Jesus, there was a guy named Judas Iscariot. He got exposed. He was using Jesus, not loving Jesus. He was with Jesus physically, but he was not with Jesus emotionally. He was with Jesus' people physically, but he was not one of God's people spiritually. In that same moment, the fiery trial came and Peter, Remember, Peter, he denied Christ. He caved into the media mob. He changed teams. He denied the one who would never deny him. Yet, he was restored. And this just goes to show that the only perfect Christian is Christ. And that Peter's an imperfect Christian. But he's a genuine. is not Judas. Though on one day, they both look very similar. On the next day, the Spirit of God and of glory rested upon Peter, and it changed him from a man who was a coward to a man who was courageous. By the time they are done with Peter, he goes from denying Christ to dying History outside of the Bible records tell us that he was hung upside down because he didn't think he was worthy of being crucified right side up like Jesus. You and I, we're living in a pivotal moment where we have to decide as the fiery trials come, will I be a Judas or will I be a Peter? Peter followed Jesus, not perfectly, but he followed Jesus until the finish line. Here's what I'm telling you, and this might be a little prophetic. There's always this great hope of revival, that one thing would fix everything. Our world has always got a little bit of hope. Some people are hoping in an economic revival. (laughs) Some people are hoping revival in general. Some people are hoping in a vaccine. It's going to save the world. Some people are hoping in a spiritual revival. But one thing will happen, fix everything, and we're going to be great. But what if it doesn't happen? What if the economy tanks? What if the vaccine doesn't work as well as we thought it would? What if the next government can't get us out of debt and is not helpful and there's not a mass outpouring of salvation? What happens then? The reason that Peter is writing is because that's the future that's coming. Now, here's what I hope for. I would love it if the economy rebounded, if the vaccine worked for a good long time. If we could do things like we did before, that would be amazing. If whoever got elected, like literally, government did something that didn't suck, I'd be totally for it. If everybody met Jesus starts going back to church, I'm all in for that. Here's what I'm telling you. In these last days, while the end is near, pray for the best, prepare for the worst. Pray for the best, prepare for the worst. I mean, why did Peter write second letter? Because things got harder. I mean, they had a bad politician, then they got Nero. They went from opposition to persecution. Peter went from writing books of the Bible to being put to death. There's a revivalist, escapist theory that's always popular. God will get us out of this. He'll just fix it all. You know what? Like Jesus, we may need to go through it. I tell you this not to discourage you, but to prepare you. I believe that the letters of Peter are very, very prophetic and very, very pointed for our day and age. They're perfect. I believe that everything that those early Christians were going through, they're the same things you and I are. And what we're going to do, we're going to take the bad news of this world, and we're going to look at it through the good news of God's Word, and then we're going to trust that the same Holy Spirit, who empowered Jesus to have joy, to rejoice, to be glad, will be in power, present in and through the children of God, so that we can rejoice and be glad, not in our circumstances, but in the God who calls us beloved, who shows us we're beloved, who proves that we're beloved as we go through this life with him. You are the children, the beloved children of God, and whatever you are going through, the Spirit of God rests on you so that you will know the love of Jesus, that you will experience the love of Jesus, that you'll trust in the salvation of Jesus, that you will know the life of Jesus and you'll be more like Jesus and you'll appreciate Jesus more and you'll be more in love with Jesus because you are beloved. You will love him in spite of everything you're going through, in spite of everything you're suffering, in spite of all the trials and the fiery trials and the flames of hell that are burning everything down around you. It's the Spirit of God that burns bright in you and gives you joy. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. You looked down at Jesus and said, This is my beloved Son. We just read. We're beloved. Some days it doesn't feel like it. Some days it doesn't look like it. But it's true. Lord Jesus, as we follow you, as we follow in your footsteps, as we follow your example, your path of salvation, let us learn how to have our singing and our suffering both be part of our worship. Let God, we pray for the dear saints everywhere. Some of them, this is a sorrowful day. For some of them, this is a shameful day. For some of them, this is a scary day. But Lord, may this be always, always the Spirit's day. Holy Spirit, rest on your people to bring the power that empowered the life of Jesus to your people, to give them joy, to give them rejoicing, so they can rejoice and be glad. God, this is as close to hell as we're ever going to get. This is as bad as it's ever going to get. We already know that Jesus has gone before us. He's not suffering today. He's reigning today. He's not slandered today. He's worshipped by angels and departed saints at this very moment. Help us not lose sight of that. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Help us to pick up our cross, follow him until we see him and receive the crown of life. Amen.